listening to the Up and Under podcast, starting in 3, 2, 1. Yo, what's up guys? Welcome into the Up and Under podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Join with me, as always, it's Zisha. Yo. Alright, man. We have finally made it. We are at the NBA Finals. Um, Man, what a, what a long journey, but we're finally here. Two teams remain. Golden State Warriors from the Western Conference and the Boston Celtics from the Eastern Conference. And yes, it is my worst nightmare scenario. Yeah, man. For us, uh, especially for like Raptors fans, um, yeah, like I don't like either team. But it is going to be an entertaining series, I think. And well, hopefully. Game 1 showed us that. Yeah, Game 1, we're recording this obviously after Game 1 of the NBA Finals. But hopefully we get... A good basketball and good competition because we didn't get that in the conference finals, unfortunately. But minus the last game, yeah, minus Miami Boston, yeah. But ultimately, again, we're here. We're at the NBA finals. There's two teams remaining. Um, <laughs> if I had to, you know, make a quick prediction on who I actually want to win, it's a toss-up, man, because I really don't like either of these teams. I don't want to see Steph Curry get a fourth ring, but at the same time, I don't want to see Boston, but. I guess I'll leave the lesser of the two evils for me. I'll say I'll let Boston... Because I, like, I kind of like their team a little better. As yeah, hard as it is to say. I'm going to say Golden State. But Here's we'll, the thing. Uh, yeah. Shout out Andrew Wiggins. I want Andrew Wiggins to win one. Uh, that's number one. But also, just like prediction-wise, I think Golden State just has a better team. Just better players at the top. And also a better system. At the top, for sure, I'd agree. Like Golden State's top-tier talent is better than Boston's. But, man, I like Boston's play style. And their depth, man, it, we saw it in Game 1. The depth came up big. So, But, again, how much is, how many times is that depth going to help? Well, that's, yeah, that's to be seen. But, yes, long story short, we're at the NBA Finals. But continuing, actually, off of what we were going over for our last few episodes... We're kind of starting to go over some of the what's next or off-season outlook type of episodes where we break down uh, teams that either were eliminated from the playoffs and soon we're going to get to teams that didn't actually make the playoffs. And we're starting to talk about what they're going to be doing heading into their off-season. You know, what questions do they have? What could they potentially answer? What could they potentially do to improve their outcome from this past season? And uh, if you haven't checked out last episode, definitely check it out. Uh, we did a full breakdown, I believe, for the Philadelphia 76ers and the Phoenix Suns. Definitely a lot of a lot to a lot of, to go over in that episode. So if you haven't already done so, check that out. And also subscribe to the show on YouTube, of course, and on all other platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. Any place you can find a podcast, you can find us with the Up and Under Podcast. But on this episode, we're going to be doing a What's Next episode for the Dallas Mavericks and the Miami Heat. Yeah, so getting into... The Miami Heat, the most recent team that was actually eliminated in these playoffs. Now, the Miami Heat finished with the best record in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, they finished with a 53-29 and record. Um, and they were top 10 in, you know, on both sides of the ball. Uh, they had the 10th best offensive rating, 5th best defensive rating. And overall, they were 6th in net rating. Now, the Miami Heat... Definitely had a good season, um, especially when you talk about all the injuries that occurred for them. Well, it's also a new team. Like, it was a new core group of guys that were brought together. Exactly. So, when you're talking about the Miami Heat, they definitely had a good season. Um, I think even for some people, you know, for us, we had them, I think, near the top, basically. But I think for some people, they definitely outperformed expectations. I don't think the consensus was there for the Miami Heat that they were 
you know, a top three team in the Eastern Conference. Um, but they definitely had a good team. They had a good run this season. Um, like I said, despite injuries, um, I they think, definitely had a good season. I think the depth was is what really stood out and how some of their younger guys really kind of broke out and started becoming more consistent. Tyler Hero had a six-man-of-the-year campaign. Uh, Max Drews pretty much made Duncan Robinson obsolete. Especially, especially playoff time, and Gabe Vincent is another guy. So my some of Miami's younger guys, Oladipo started to regain some some of his form. Although again, we'll see what happens with Oladipo. But ultimately speaking, Miami had a good season, and they were good from the start to the finish of the season, which is pretty surprising considering again it's a pretty much a brand new team. Exactly. So Miami had a good season. Um, they performed well in the playoffs, but. In all honesty, they didn't really face much competition besides the Boston series. We take a look at their first round series. Um, they face the Atlanta Hawks. Then they face the Philadelphia 76ers with Embiid injured. And, you know, the rest of the team was just not that great. Playoff Harden. Yeah. And so until they faced Boston where they were kind of outmatched. Even though, like I said, they took it seven games. So they played pretty well. But in terms of championship contending quality... They were just a step below, I think, of what you wanted from a championship contender. They got blown out way too many times in the conference finals. Now, Jimmy Butler had to put on some heroics to get them to a Game 7. And that Game 6 was absolutely incredible. Some of the shots that Jimmy hit were fantastic. But ultimately, again, they just weren't at the level that Boston was at this season. Yeah, exactly. Um, talking about their offseason, uh, some of their notable free agents... They have Tyler Hero on a team option this year. Now, obviously, I'm going to talk about him a bit later in his contract situation. But long story short, his contract is going to be guaranteed to work. Um, PJ Tucker has a player option for $7 million. It remains to be seen whether he comes back or not. If he decides not to come back, there's going to be a lot of teams that want him, obviously. I think he'll come back. Udonis Haslam is basically whether he wants to come back You'll or retire, not. You'll retire, fam. I mean, 42. if he just wants to come back and sit on the bench, then he's going to do that in Miami. Yo, take 500k. Um, Markeith Morris, he basically didn't play after he got knocked out by Jokic. Yo, gone. <laughs> if you get knocked out that easily and that early and then you're done, you're done, bro, get out. And again, he's the one who started it, so. You can't start with um, like that. Victor Oladipo is also going to be an unrestricted free agent. Now, his situation, I think, is very interesting considering... What happened to him over the past couple of years? You know, he's an all-defensive guy. He's an all-star. Injuries kill him at the end of Indiana. He has a lot of personal, like, butting heads with a lot of people as well in the in Indiana. Goes to Houston, declines a massive contract from them. Um, doesn't really work out in Houston. Comes to Miami. He's injured. Takes a you know um, a prove-it deal last summer, and then. He kind of doesn't play until this last stretch of the season where he started to ramp it up a bit more. Um, and even still, he doesn't look like the Victor Oladipo that we at least once knew, even in like OKC. Um, but his situation, I think, is interesting considering nobody really knows what he's going to demand. And I think the market's very harsh to gauge, hard to gauge for and him. And well. he's going to get a healthy offseason now. Like relatively healthy, so he can maybe he can come back with more development. Uh, we got he got some games, and he looks he looked good at moments. There were moments in the playoffs where he looked actually pretty good. Now the question with Miami is, are they going to be able to afford get him at a number that works for Miami, but also a number that Old Depot would want? Like I'm assuming the last couple of years he's taken 
relatively cheaper deal than what he would have liked. So what's that middle ground and will they come to that? Or will another team kind of swoop in and take a gamble on Oladipo? Yeah, exactly. And then we have Dwayne Dedman, Caleb Martin. Now, Dwayne Dedman is another veteran guy that I think was a good locker room presence for them. He had his moments of production. But again, just another end of the bench player. Caleb Martin was a surprising story this season. He he ha- he was on a two-way deal and then Miami, he played so well that Miami converted it to a standard deal, I think. Um, and again, he's just one of those guys that's good for end of the bench option, brings that energy, uh, you know, plays tough, quote unquote. Um, and then we have three non-guaranteed uh, options for next year, or non-guaranteed contracts for next year which are Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, and Omer Yurtsevin, which I think all three of them will be, you know, good for I the was, contracts next year. I was very impressed with Max Struess in terms of... He went from a guy, like, I was like, who, who is this guy? To now I'm like, oh, sh- oh damn, he can shoot. Like, th- this guy, he's so much better. He can shoot off the dribble. He can shoot off the catch. Very consistent. Like, when this guy gets hot, he gets rolling very quickly. And then when you factor in that... This guy actually is semi-athletic, so he can do yeah. a lot more for I mean, you. I mean, he can like he can do putbacks and stuff. He's done it. Like he can stay on the court in big moments. Like that's the best thing about him. He's a shooter, but he you can play him in big moments. And then Gabe Vincent, he really came out of the solid backup point guard. To be honest with you, especially with Lowry kind of in and out of the lineup. I mean, I, I think the Olympic experience really helped him as well. Yeah, no, for Playing sure. For Nigeria, uh, shot to you know the whole Nigerian team. I mean, they beat Team USA, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Omer Yurtsevin, he had his flashes as a rookie in the season. Uh, he looked good at times, obviously, with Bam, Dwayne Dedman, other guys there. He's not going to really play much. But he was, you know, he looks to be a serviceable young player for them moving forward. Yep. Uh, speaking about Max Struess in particular, you know, you mentioned his ability to stay on the floor and actually do things outside of his shooting ability. And that's where we talk about a guy like Duncan Robinson. Moving on to the Miami Heat's team needs. Uh, they got to get rid of Duncan Robinson, which is funny because they just signed him to a $90 million deal. And we literally said this last offseason. Off yeah, it was an overpay. <laughs> yeah, we, you can go back to our episode last season where we talked about the Miami Heat. It was an overpay. Granted, it was kind of something they semi had to do at the time. But again, it, it doesn't look like a good contract at all. No. Especially when you factor in the... He averaged 11 points on 37% three-point shooting this season. Um, he didn't really play much. He had one good game in the playoffs where he like broke a record for like the most efficient game of all time and then didn't play after that at all. Um, and that's basically what you get when you have Duncan Robinson. He's a standard, typical three-point shooter who, when he's able to get his shots off, he's amazing on the court for you. But the problem is when he's not being able to do that, especially as a non-athletic guy, then you have a huge problem because he's going to get hunted on defense. And on offense, he's not going to really do much besides space the floor and shoot the ball. He's not going to be able to take it off the dribble. He's not going to be able to attack the paint off the dribble. So what are you left with? Which is why, you know, we talk about a guy like Max Struess who can do everything that Duncan Robinson does at a much better level and can do a lot more than Duncan Robinson. You're paying Duncan Robinson, exactly, $74 million guaranteed. Or the last year is not fully guaranteed, but you basically have him on the books for $74 million, minimum like $60 million, basically. Like, honestly, for me, with Duncan Robinson, and this is something that I personally called a lot. Like, you take away the three-point shot, what do you got? 
You know, like what, what do you got? You 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 don't got a defender. You don't got a guy who can pass. So what what really is he? He can't attack the basket. So and that's the problem when you're paying a guy like that ninety million dollars. It's the same thing that happened with Davis Bertans. It's legitimately the same way that happened, and you're seeing what happened with him. And we'll talk about him a little later on, but ultimately, it's going to be difficult for Miami to move this contract. Maybe a team like with some Cavs can take a flyer on him, but definitely a tough one to move. Yeah, exactly. And especially in a system like Miami where they pride themselves on defense. And if you're not playing defense like Nick Nurse, Eric Spolster is not going to play you. Yeah. Right? So, unfortunately, that's the reality of what Duncan Robinson is. Now, again, like I said, they have to move him because they're already $13 million over the cap. And as I mentioned, they're going to have to pay Tyler Hero. His ex- his contract extension is coming up um, unless he becomes a restricted free agent. And in that case, Miami will have to pay him either way. So Miami has to pay Tyler Hero, who is, you know, one of their core pieces moving forward. Um, you know, guys like Gabe Vincent and whatnot are going to want contracts as well. And then if you're also looking to reacquire a guy like P.J. Tucker or grab other veterans who are, you know, who will extend your championship contention window, you're going to need that money to pay someone else and not Duncan Robinson, not to mention Max Struess, right? Um, Miami also needs some interior presence. Now, again, Bam Adebayo is a really good center. Don't get me wrong. He's all NBA type of uh, center. But the issue is he's 6'8". He's limited in that capacity. And Miami Heat fans will attest to this. Bam is good. And then they have they have a lot of frustrations with Bam from time to time. Number one, his aggressiveness issues on offense. Yeah. And then number two... He's a good defender, and he's probably the most switchable center in the league. But he has issues defending the rim just because he's not big enough, right? Especially when you have a big center on him, guarding him on or playing against him on offense. Like an Embiid. Exactly. Or a Jokic. Um, he has issues. The Miami Heat were 22nd in total rebounding. And that has a lot to do with a guy like Bam Adebayo, who's, again, not really a big center. Yeah, I, I think with Bam again, the, the, I saw the, the the defensive prowess. I definitely saw the switchability. That's all great, but I think for me, my biggest problem with him is the the lack of assertiveness. At times, like there were times, like there were besides in the conference final, there's only one game where he actually exploded and scored over twenty, and that was the game that Miami well, he won. Had two, I think. Yeah, two. Regardless, he was basically invisible on offense when he was supposed to be a a very key contributor, to, so that Jimmy Butler didn't have to carry the load. Because he was already Jimmy himself was battered up, and ultimately Bam couldn't do that. Again, Bam is the one thing you can say about him on offense is that he's a good passer. But when you don't have any sort of jumper, you know, alongside your passing, it, you, those passing lanes get clogged up a lot more, right? And he hasn't really been able to show that he can shoot at all outside of the paint. Um, and even then, he has issues, you know, finishing inside the paint. Um, the Miami Heat need a bigger star than Jimmy Butler if they want to contend. Now, again, Jimmy Butler is great, um, especially in the playoffs. Regular season, he kind of just doesn't really care about the regular season. Um, but like I said, if the Miami Heat want to be able to contend, which is where they are right now as a franchise, they need to have a better star than Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is not going to be able to win you a championship as a first option. And again, this leads to some of their offensive issues. Miami famously was probably the worst offensive team in that last stretch of the playoffs. You know, especially if we're talking about the last four teams that were left in the playoffs, Miami was definitely the worst offensive team by far. Um, I think B-Ball Breakdown had a great video on, you know, their offensive issues. But 
again, when your best player is Jimmy Butler, you're not going to be able to win a championship with that. For example, you know, they're a good three-point shooting team. They were first in efficiency, but they don't attempt enough. They're 14th in, you know, three-point shooting. That has a lot to do with a guy like Jimmy Butler who can't really shoot threes. Um, and then Bam Adebayo doesn't stretch the floor either um, at the center position. They were 26 in two-point attempts and 17th in percentage in those two-pointers, uh, two right? Again, Jimmy Butler's not really a good shooter, even in the mid-range. Um, and then the rest of those guys are not going to shoot mid-range jumpers either. And then they were 13th in field goal percentage. So all, overall, despite the fact that they had the 10th best offensive rating in the league, they were really were not a great offensive team, especially when you talk about that upper, upper echelon of contenders. They're kind of capped in that regard. Yeah, I, I would say maybe if you don't have to get a, like a number one option, you can kind of get like a 1B or sort of a close to a secondary star for Jimmy Butler. Because I don't think Bam is that. I think Bam is a, is a third star, maybe a fourth guy at best. But maybe getting a secondary guy, and you'll talk about this a little later, but you know, getting that secondary guy might be helpful to take some load off Jimmy Butler because he's not getting any younger and the injuries are piling up. Yeah, speaking of getting a second guy, I think like one of the things that Miami needs to look out for is swinging for a trade, right? Guys, like I'll talk about this a bit later as well. Guys like Bradley Beal, even a guy like Devin Booker, I was thinking about in a couple of years when CP3 is not playing anymore. Where does that leave him in Phoenix? You know, it's a possibility. Um, Donovan Mitchell, we know if he's there's one thing, if... If there's one thing that Miami can do and that Pat Riley has shown that he can do, it's grab guys out of nowhere, right? We know that for a fact. The mob boss will do what he does. Donovan Mitchell's interesting, especially considering his connection to Dwayne Wade. Exactly. So that one, that one, I'd, I'd, I'd keep an well, eye on. Well, I mean, it. Dwayne Wade's technically in Utah right now. Uh, yeah, yeah so. well, it could happen. It could the, happen. The and godfather then, is there. Again, connecting off of my last point, they also need to get a bit younger. Kyle Lowry is 35, and I think... Well, not even just the Tampa season, because the Tampa season, he kind of only played like half the games. But this year specifically, he started to look like he's 35, right? Especially when you talk about his production in the playoffs and his injury history uh, this past season. Jimmy Butler is also 32. He plays a lot more. He plays like he's older than 32, to be honest. Um, a lot of the key guys are, are well over 30. Like, Peter Tuck was 37. Um Dwayne Dedman, 32 or 30 or something again, like that. Again, this is where the younger core of guys like Tyler Hero, uh, Max Struess, Bam Adebayo come in, where they have building blocks to build off of, but they don't have that guy that can take them to that next level moving forward after, you know, some of the older players start to, you know... They don't have a guy to replace Butler. Yeah. Like, you need that guy. Once you have that guy, then you're set for your future. Speaking of drafts, um, they have the 27th pick this year. So, I mean, they can do something with that. And then, you know, potential moves that they can pull off this offseason. I was talking about swinging a trade. Um, I don't think it's going to happen this year just because I don't think there's anything realistic this year. Besides maybe Bradley Beal, that is a possibility. Um, but like I just said, I don't know if Bradley Beal takes you over the top. But to Hani's point, he definitely provides like a 1B kind of option. For the Miami Heat. I don't mind the Bradley Beal option because I think he takes scoring load off of Jimmy Butler. It, he won't. I don't think he will hurt the defense, especially under the Miami system. And then factoring in, you have the Duncan Robinson contract that you can trade over to Washington. Plus, of course, you'll have to put in some other assets in there. But it could work. I'm not saying that it is for sure going to make the Heat dramatically better, but it's not going to make them worse by any stretch of the means. 
I alluded to Donovan Mitchell as well before, you know, that whole situation in Utah. It's a possibility, something to monitor. And then yeah. Devin Booker, not right now, Unlikely. obviously, but, you know, something down the line, possibly. Uh, some other guys that could, you know, Miami could trade for, not necessarily stars, but, you know, guys that can fill out your roster are KCP and Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Both Grant, guys who will probably not stay on their current teams by the end of the season. Um, so, yeah, KCP would definitely be a good role player. Same with Jeremy Grant. Um, they would definitely fit right into Miami and their defensive structure and, you know, their offensive system. Um, some free agents right now uh, that they could go after. Gary Harris, I think he would fit in well in Miami. Um, you know, the three-point shooting issues. <laughs> um, hopefully he starts to retain that back a bit more. But, you know, the main thing is his defense, perimeter defense. He's still a very good defender. Um, JaVale McGee, if you're talking about, you know, center depth and bringing in a bigger center into the lineup, JaVale McGee is definitely one, though, again, he will be highly sought after. Um, and then two more centers, Dwight Howard, Bismack, Biombo, just guys that can get the dirty work done. Dwight Howard, especially if you're talking about a big guy, Dwight Howard's like one of the biggest guys in the league. Championship experience. Bismack, Biombo is kind of like the same size as Bam, but he's just, he's a bit tougher. I like Dwight, honestly, for them. Dwight might not be about... He'd be probably definitely more attainable. Uh, and all, and I think he fits Miami, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, Dwight Howard's an interesting option. And then there's two players that I want to mention who are on player options. Both from the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Pat Conton and Bobby Portis. Now, it remains to be seen whether they resign. Both players obviously love in Milwaukee. Um, Bobby Portis basically has, like, a cult following in Milwaukee <laughs> at this point. Um, Yo, Bobby Portis is too soft in Miami. <laughs> Yo, Heat culture would eat him alive. Um, but I don't know, man. I disagree. I think Bobby Portis could be good in Miami. Same with Pat Conton. Uh, they're both on player options. I think they will demand bigger contracts. It's just that I think they have good situations in Milwaukee. I don't think they would necessarily want to, you know, leave those situations. But overall, the thing with Miami is they're kind of stuck in this middle phase. That I think, for example, like the Raptors were in a couple of years ago. Uh, though, again, Miami has made it farther than the Raptors did um, at that stage. Miami made it to the finals. Bubble season. But, you know, Miami's stuck in a stage right now where they're really, really good. But they're not... Okay. I don't... They're not that type of, like, the Golden State Warriors, the Boston Celtics. They're at uh, the cusp. Like, yeah, they're, they're right, right there. there. But they're not able to get over the hump, I think. Um, and so it leaves Miami in an interesting position of what they want to do moving forward. But if there is a person that I trust, it's Pat Riley. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Bringing us into the Dallas Mavericks. Now, the Dallas Mavericks had a pretty solid season, man. They finished with a 52-30 and record, fourth in the Western Conference. Uh, they finished 15th in offensive rating, 6th in defensive rating, 7th in net rating. They finished with a top four seed, which first and foremost... We were very surprised about considering the fact that new coach. Did we really trust Jason Kidd? Not really. Um, they had major roster changes in the middle of the season. Obviously, they traded Porzingis for Dinwiddie and all that great stuff. Luca had to basically play in shape, but he still ended up being an all-NBA caliber player, as he is, spectacular in the playoffs. And honestly, the Mavs defense dramatically improved under Jason Kidd, which is very surprising for us to say, but it's definitely true. They... We went, they were the sixth best defense in the league this past season. Especially uh, when you look at what they did against Phoenix. Like, to stifle an offense like Phoenix the way they did. And, like, the, 
you can check out like there's a lot of good breakdowns of their defense, but they're like I have to give respect to Jason Kidd because that was some good defense that they played. Yeah, for sure. And then and even un- they even unlocked guys like Jalen Brunson who had emerged as a solid two way option, especially a playoff performer. Now, granted, contract season, we'll get to that in a little bit, but he was still very good for them. Spencer didn't really even bounce back after having a pretty bad start with the Washington Wizards this to the season. Coming to Dallas, he played pretty well uh, with them, you know. So that was great. And again, you were talking about their playoff run. Now, they made it to the conference finals, which who would Nobody saw coming. Nobody saw the Dallas Mavericks. We didn't even think the Mavericks were going to get out of the first round. Uh, but they were able to beat Utah in six, despite not having Luka for games one and two. Uh, they upset the Phoenix Suns. Like, they basically blew, blew the Suns out in game seven on uh, in Phoenix. They, they literally... That was like the craziest, I think, outcome in a long time that I've seen. Yeah, that it's a pretty embarrassing performance by the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Luca absolutely took over in that series and basically, you know, paved the way for the Mavs to get to the conference. Well, finals. I mean, the whole team as a whole, though, not even just Luca. Guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson, uh, Reggie Bullock, like everyone played really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was definitely a great effort by them. And then ultimately, they got to the conference finals. They went up against Golden State, and they just, they weren't a match. Um, They weren't a match for the Golden State Warriors. But I think my biggest takeaway is the Mavs had a great season, but they're still a one-man team. They're going to go as far as Luka Doncic carries them, and I think Luka kind of just burned out and ran out of gas when he faced the Warriors. Uh, But, you know, the Mavs had a pretty good season for them overall. Now, some of the notable free agents this offseason, obviously the biggest one is Jalen Brunson, who is an unrestricted free agent. He's for sure going to be paid uh, by who exactly? We will get into that. Uh, Trey Burke has a player option. He may or may not take it. Um, Maxi Kleba has a non-guaranteed $9 million. Um, I think the Mavs will probably keep him, but again, money is definitely going to be a concern. Uh, and Theo Pinson is an unrestricted free agent as well. Which brings us into the needs for the Mavs heading into this offseason. And we just alluded to it. The first need, probably the most important need for the Mavs this offseason, is to re-sign Jalen Brunson. Now, Jalen Brunson, he really emerged as a great number two number th- or number three option next to Luka Doncic. And after a solid playoff performance, like he was basically their second leading scorer in playoff points per game, um, he, deserves a, he deserves a new contract. He deserves to get paid. And I think the Mavs should do whatever they can to retain him. Because not only is he a great floor general, he's a good playmaker, he can score off the dribble, spread the floor, he can, but he also plays some good defense as well. So I've always liked Jalen Brunson since he was drafted. So I think the Mavs should definitely try to do what they can to re-sign him. I mean, he's a good fit with Luka as well. Exactly. You know, he plays off of Luka well. He plays, Luka can play decently off of him. Now, Luka isn't really a great offensive uh, off ball player but he definitely fits well with Brunson and then when you're talking about for example like height isn't really an issue because Jalen Brunson is shorter but Luka's taller oh, right yeah. so I, I think they fit really well no they definitely do I think the biggest concern for the Mavs is, is it'll just come down to money and if the Mavs can really afford him bringing me into the second thing the Mavs need to do in this offseason they need to free up some money, and by, by that, I mean you got to get rid of one of Spencer Dinwiddie, Davis Bertans, or Tim Hardaway Jr. Each of these players make between 16 to $19 million over the next three seasons, and if the Mavs want to pay a guy like Jalen Brunson what he's worth, and to be fair, he's worth in that, you know, 
anywhere between that 17 to 22 million dollar a season range um they're going to have to get some flexibility to do that and moving off of one of these other contracts is going to be their best bet to do so now the best option is to move Davis Bertans who is honestly at this point just stealing money from whatever team he's on uh, because he's not making his shots. He he did play better for the Mavs. He played more inspired. De- he actually played defense. Um, <laughs> well, there's a first. Um, and Jason Kidd unlocked some of his offensive abilities a bit more. So I'll say like he played he played solid for the Mavs at times. But yeah, like he's getting paid way too much. Is it worth sixteen million dollars a season for the next three years? No. So obviously he would probably be the the best guy to trade. But again, it. Like the Duncan Robinson situation, would it be easy to move that contract? Yet to be seen. I think Dinwiddie is probably the best in terms of value. Like he will probably get you the most out of him. But Because honestly, I think you can get someone to replace what Dinwiddie does for a lot cheaper. But it really kind of comes down to what type of offer you're going to get for Dinwiddie. But ultimately, if you want to dump one of these guys or both or two guys out of these, you know, I would definitely think that's a better, better, better option because... It will enable them to make more moves on top of you know paying Jalen Brunson, and bringing us into some other moves they got they got to make. The next thing I think they need to do is they need to get a starting caliber center or at least a bigger center than Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell, a decent player, Canadian Team Canada guy, um, but he's undersized and is limited offensively. Like there isn't a ton that Dwight Powell can do against bigger centers, and offensively he's basically just a lob threat. Like, he really can't do much of anything else. And it leaves the Mavs with a lot of lot less options to play with. You know, they are basically forced to go small every single time. And they don't have anyone else bigger to go up against those bigger centers. You know, I think Golden State really took advantage of that with Draymond and Kevon Looney just feasting inside. Getting uh, offensive rebounds. And Wiggins, rebound. too. Like, yeah. they really destroyed them on the boards. Yeah. That no. was basically the series. And it was big because, again, with Golden State, even if they got that initial stop, you can't give a team like Golden State multiple chances to score. They're just going to they're, they're gonna ultimately keep burning you for that. And that's exactly what happened to the Mavs. So I think getting a, a bigger center or start, at least a starting caliber center, in my opinion, is going to be something they have to look at this offseason. Um, another thing they need to, need to look into is they need to get a consistent bench scorer who can create. Now... Spencer Dinwiddie kind of molded himself into that. But again, when you're paying $17 million to a guy to score off your bench consistently, it's not ideally the best thing in the world. Now, the problem with the math is that they are too reliant on Luka Doncic, as we all know. Now, Luka's fantastic, but what do you do when Luka actually sits on the bench? And that's something that they need to address. Now, Jalen Brunson did a great job of filling that void and really being that sort of that go-to creator option off, you know, while Luca sat. But again, what happens when Jalen Brunson sits? I so, will say in regard to that option, I think there is some, um, if you if we want to talk about Luca getting better on offense, I think that is one area that he needs to also improve on just because, you know, we talk about Luca and the Dallas Mavericks being a one man team, but I think also having, a guy that can play better off of the ball will enable Dallas to have more options on who to bring in because they're also very limited on who they can bring in. Um, you know, because if you bring in a guy who's good on the ball, he's not really going to be playing on the ball because Luca's going to be dominating and Luca is not being optimized when he's off of the ball. And that's, I think, an area that if you want to talk about areas of improvement for Luka Doncic as an offensive player, 
I think that's one area definitely the Mavs could work on with him. Yeah, no, he can definitely become a better off-ball player, but I'm, I think in terms of a player they can attain, getting a guy who specifically plays off the bench while, so Luke, while Luka sits, I think would be the most ideal. And also the fact that they have too many one-dimensional players on the roster. Like, they either have guys that they can, they can shoot or defend, but not a guy that can really create for themselves. And that's something that they're going to need to address in the offseason. And finally, this is something that we've been saying now for a few seasons, but it's been apparent, especially this past season. They need to get a second start for Luka Doncic. Like, and I know this is easier said than done. It's not very easy to get that secondary star. But man, Luka has been carrying this team on his back for the basically since he got, got into the league. And he hasn't had much help. Jalen Brunson did a great job uh, this past season. But again, he's more of a number three option at best in my opinion. Now, he could get better. He could surprise us and be better than that, but as of right now, he's pretty much at a third option on the team. Now, which brings us into their, their draft needs. Now, right now, they have the 26th pick in the draft. Um, they could ultimately trade the pick, but it's a late first rounder, so take what you will with that. You know, they can flip it. They can keep it. Really not going to do much in the grand scheme of things. And finally, some potential free agents um, now, this is the thing with the Mavs. Luka Doncic's uh, extension kicks in next season. So, that now that Supermax extension is going to kick in. So, it kind of limits what the Mavs can do. But if they can free up the money, like we talked about earlier, getting rid of some of those guys that aren't really doing much for you um, and maybe replacing them with some other, some key guys, you might even make things work. For example, you could go after a player like Zach Levine, who is an unrestricted free agent. Now, there have been reports that he is may leave Chicago, especially considering the team kind of became more of DeMar DeRozan's team, you know? And also, they're kind of capped at what they are. Like, yeah. I don't really see much ways they can get better moving forward. Now, again, Vuzovic, like, they would probably have to trade Vuzovic. But again, if DeMar DeRozan is your co-star... Again, that's cool, but uh, yeah, yeah, no. But it, it could be possible, although very unlikely to see if if Zach Levine would even end up in Dallas. But hey, again, Mark Cuban was pretty willing to pay the pay the luxury tax if he's able to get a guy who he knows he can win with. So that's number one. The second guy is obviously Gary Harris. We've talked about him in a few episodes, but he seems like that type of guy who you can bring in for a relatively affordable deal. You can, and he can fit. Ideally, if the three-point shot comes back, he can be a serviceable player. He's a decent defender. So he could fit pretty well, especially being that, I think, that bench score that I'm trying, that I'm thinking of for the Mavs. So Gary Harris would definitely be great. Another guy would be Yusuf Nurkic. I think getting that starting caliber center for you, for Luka. Now, the thing with Nurkic, A, is health, and B, he's not the best guy defensively. But in terms of... Well, he's not really a shooter either. And he's not a shooter either. But I think in terms of a pure pick-and-roll guy for Luka Doncic, and just, again, having that bigger body available, I think Nurkic would definitely be a great option for the Dallas Mavericks. Um, another guy would be Chris Boucher. Now, Boucher obviously came off of a a decent year with the Raptors. Again, but we know what Chris Boucher is at this point. He won't be very expensive, but he also can be a good scoring or a good role player option for you, especially if you learn to use him in the, in the correct way. He can definitely be serviceable for you. Another guy, very unlikely, but I thought I'd throw him in anyways, but DeAndre Ayton. This, I think, would be the best option for the Mavs. If you're talking about a bigger guy 
who won't clog the paint for Luka Doncic, who will be a great pick and roll player alongside him, and who can also get his own touches and get his own post ups and play a really good defense. And you know, like like I said, the best fit possible alongside Luka Doncic. I think this might be like the best fit possible alongside Luka Doncic. Yeah, I think the the question mark is a how are they gonna make the money work, which. They could use like a Dinwiddie contract and maybe some picks to sweeten it for Phoenix. That could work. I, again, Dinwiddie did play, didn't play poorly, and I think he can. He might be able to do some things in Phoenix, but ultimately, is would Phoenix be willing to be able to give DeAndre in to a conference rival? And also for the fact that again, he's an RFA, like you kind of want to keep him. So DeAndre is an interesting one. Another guy would be Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant, obviously an unrestricted free agent. He would be interesting just from the standpoint that, again, he he has a potential, like he's shown potential to grow. He's shown potential to be better. And, you know, the only concern is coming off that ACL injury. Like, how good is he going to, you know, how good is he going to be? But, you know, he's not going to be as expensive as most people think he's going to be. So, he's an interesting option. Another guy would be Victor Oladipo. Now, this is where... A team like, for instance, Dallas would take a flyer on Victor Oladipo because, again, you can pay him twelve to fifteen million dollars and for a season or two, and he can re- realistically be that num- second guy next to Luka Doncic, and you can have a guy like Brunson. So that's a pretty good, interesting option for me. I actually kind of like this for the Mavs because I think he's approachable. I think, I think personally, Victor Oladipo would like to would wouldn't be interested in Dallas, but. You know, I think something could work out there for sure. And then finally, uh, some some trade options if they wanted to go the trade route. First off, going after a guy like uh, KCP and Tavius Caldwell-Pope. Um, he'd be a good role, role player. He'd be one of those like guys you can definitely get those off-ball off kind of guys who would play great next to Luka Doncic. Basically adding to like Dorian Finney-Smith or Reggie Bullock. Yeah, exactly. Having another guy like that. Uh, I think Jeremy Grant is also an interesting one if you wanted to look at trade options because... He's very attainable. He's on an expiring deal next season. And he's going to be a great two. He'd be a great two-way guy. Again, you're looking for that number two guy. Jeremy Grant can be that two guy for you. So he's interesting. And then, of course, Bradley Beal. Um, more unlikely because, obviously, they just made a big deal with the Wizards. And I don't think the Wizards want any of their guys back. But, um, no, Bradley Beal will definitely be great next to Luka Doncic. But overall, the Mavs... They have options, but the clock has now begun for them to place a competitive team around Luka Doncic. And now that they made a conference finals, it's time to start building off of this. And I know Mark Cuban is not a patient guy, so he's going to want to win and he wants to win right now. But we'll see what happens with the Dallas Mavericks. Bringing us finally into the up and under segment for this week. Uh, pretty eventful couple of weeks. Obviously, the NBA finals, a little bit of a dull period that you know they had to, they had to fill some time with stories and rumors and God knows what. But first and foremost, are you up or under on Tyler Hero of the Miami Heat saying that he he feels that he he's earned a starting role? Now he's been on a bench role this past season, you know, six man of the year candidate. Uh, did he win it? I think yeah, he won six man of the year. So, but now he feels that he wants to be a starter. Are you up or under on him saying that? Uh, I'm up on it because I, I mean, I agree with him. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily. Like, I like having a guy like Tyler Hero off of the bench if I'm the Miami Heat. But I definitely understand where he's coming from, too. It's going to be a contract year for him. You know, guys want to get paid. And 
like I was talking about earlier in the episode about Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry kind of looks 35 now, right? Especially He's going to be 36 starting next season. And would it be the worst thing for him to come off the bench as their like, backup point guard? The problem is he makes $30 million. You can't have That's a $30 million dollar guy but come off again, the bench. You got to prioritize your future, and your future is Tyler Hero, not Kyle Lowry, right? And again, I think Kyle Lowry at this stage of his career would accept that. I but don't think he would here's, accept that. So here's what I would combat with Tyler Hero to. I would say, listen, if you give me one more six-man-of-the-year-level campaign, you give me this consistency or better, then I'd put you as a starter. Is I think that's fair. Because I can't go off of one good year and then end up giving you the keys and then for you to be shit. You know, that's literally what we saw with Julius Randle. Now... There's still time for Randall to bounce back. But again, you saw what happened. Defenses started to figure you out. And things weren't the same as they were in the season that you did well. So now the teams have a better read on what Tyler Hero can and can't do. What are you going to do now? So I would be more on a prove-it sort of level. I think it also, like I said, it heavily depends on how Kyle Lowry looks. If Kyle Lowry does not look good to start the first quarter of the season, I think Tyler Hero will have that starting job and i think health and personal issues definitely affected lowry because typically lowry is relatively consistent so we'll see what happens next season but yeah i i'm a little hesitant on giving tyler letting tyler hero become a starter just next up are you upper under on lebron james becoming the first active nba player to reach a net worth of one billion dollars now forbes reported this uh i think yesterday it was so thursday uh thursday the second so are you up or under on this? Um, I mean, I'm up on it. I mean, congrats to LeBron for being the first active player to be a billionaire. But man, these guys make way too much money, man. Like, oh, but again, the one thing I will say is at least LeBron had to come up. You know, like he he actually had to like yeah. And yeah. again, LeBron and it's the fact that he's in LA too. He's like basically doubled his net worth since he's been in LA. So, uh, the business ventures like LeBron's becoming a business mogul, pre- preparing for that end of the career life. So, good for LeBron. Definitely doing what he's supposed to do. Uh, next up, are you up or under? Nikola Jokic uh, will sign a, his Supermax extension with the Denver Nuggets, a two-year, sorry, a five-year deal with $260 million. I mean, I'm up on it because uh, he deserves, he deserves the best center. Back-to-back MVPs. Um, yeah, back-to-back MVPs, first center to do that since Shaq. Carried the team. Well, Shaq didn't win back-to-back, but like first center to win MVP since Shaq, and he did it. You carried know, the team since exactly to, to the playoffs. Best passing center of all time. One of the best offensive centers of all time, easily. Fantastic player. The only thing is, I just don't like the Supermax. And in the CBA, I think the Supermax will be gone. It should go. It, it will It will be gone. Because it's at this point, more damage especially than... like for Denver, what can Denver do now? Like, Nothing. Denver literally cannot do anything. This they is have their three team. guys that are on $150 plus million dollar deals. This is their team. If they can't win with this team... One of these guys are going are getting shipped out, and it's not going to be Jokic, that's for sure. Well, I mean, the good the good thing about Denver fans is that Nikola Jokic is not the type of guy that would ask for a trade. No, he's gonna he's he's gonna be one of those guys that stays with the Denver. Nuggets he's like a Giannis, he pretty much. Yeah, and again, he's he's gonna stay there until he retires. But again, the Denver Nuggets are trying to win right now as well, so it kind of caps them on what they can do. But again, if there's anybody that deserves this, Nikola Jokic, obviously. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next up, are you up or under on Kenny Atkinson being reported as the front runner to land the Charlotte Hornets head coaching job? I'm up on it. I've liked Kenny Atkinson from the job that he did in Brooklyn. Um, I thought he definitely was scapegoated. Like, well, he was basically 
unfairly taken out of Brooklyn. Now, I think he also left on his own accord as well. There were some, there were some issues. There was something happened. going on. I think he's had some personal issues. But ultimately, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving didn't want to play for Kenny Atkinson, so that was a quick, uh, a quick year out of here sort of thing. But I've always liked Kenny Atkinson as a coach, and I think he would be great for Charlotte, a young Charlotte team, because that's kind of what he does. He likes, he builds up a culture, he builds up a good foundation for a team, and that's what Charlotte does. They have had a great start with James Borrego, and I was surprised he got fired, to be honest Not with really. you. He, he, Charlotte kind of tuned him out at the end. And again, he's, he's like a good guy to get starting, but when you got to games like the playing games, it was clear that he was definitely outmatched in those games. So, again, I think Kenny Atkinson would be a good... Uh, coach yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely like him. Um, moving on, next up, are you up or under on the Minnesota Timberwolves hiring Tim Connolly as the president of the, as their president of basketball operations, taking him away from the Denver Nuggets? I'm up on it. Uh, Minnesota's off to a. I think Minnesota's on the right track, and that's the first time I've ever said that since I have been alive. Basically, it's called securing the bag with Tim Connolly. Uh, I think he even got like an option in some sort of like. I think the. Uh, I think it was a bonus within his contract based on the team's value, if I remember correctly, something like that. Um, so he he's he doesn't just have like a president role; like he's he's majorly involved in the new organization that's gonna be done uh, that's gonna be run by Alex Rodriguez and company era. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a good pickup for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like I said, they're on Smart the right guy. track. They have a guy. They have their coach now, in Chris Finch. They have their young. Stars and Cat and Anthony Edwards, especially. Um, they have a good team around them, and now they're securing the front office, right? Um, they're they're building off of you know what Garson Rosas started. Obviously, he got booted out because they're they're he, also he wasn't smart. But they're also getting smart guys in the room. Like you got Chris Finch, smart guy in the room. Now getting Tim Connolly, he did a great job in Denver. You know, now you're bringing him into to Minnesota to see what he can do. But you're bringing in the right guys. So it's good on Minnesota. They're finally doing the right things, <laughs> and it's amazing. Yeah, you know. Uh, and finally, are you up or under on the Los Angeles Lakers hiring Darvin Ham as their new head coach? I'm up on it because I think they made the right choice to hiring an up and coming guy, guy who's paid his due, the guy who, um, respected by players. Of course, Jan has gave him a very high praise. Um, we'll see what he does with the Lakers. Obviously, again, you're not getting prime LeBron. You're getting an older LeBron. Will you be able to work with Russell you're Westbrook? You're also having Anthony Day-to-Day Davis. Pretty much. Um, so will what 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 will you do? And again, it's a it's it's a tough place to be in as a as a as a coach. But there's not really any pressure on him. The Lakers can't scapegoat him because again, they did basically take a chance on him. So um, I I like it. I think it's great. I really like the fact that they're letting him pick his own staff. They're not keeping Kurt Rambis in the room. Like, why is Kurt Rambis in coaching meetings? I mean, here's the thing. Kurt Look Rambis, at his coaching record. Listen, Kurt Rambis and his wife are still going to be in the room anyways. No, no, no. But he's not going to be in the in, in the coaching room and that stuff. And they, well, he's going to be in the ownership room. That's fine. Stay in the ownership box. Be with Palenka. But stay out of Darvin Ham's way. Let him do his job. And then you evaluate him from there. But I also think Jeannie Buss is really proving herself not to be a great owner. I think she's letting a lot of things happen that should not be happening. She's letting too many people get into her ear. She she does not have control over her franchise. And that's starting to become more and more apparent. Again, that's... that's The more the Lakers fail. That's been an issue with the Lakers. Again, LeBron basically saved the Lakers franchise because... 
they've been literally one of the worst run franchises in the past decade. And that that well, technically Kobe was holding them up for the longest time. Well, again, all of this started after Doc, uh, you know, Jerry Buss died, right? So they've had a bunch of issues in terms of organization since then. But speaking about Darvin Ham, I think this is the best guy you could have gone for the job, right? Not many people want to take the job, but Darvin Ham took it. Like you mentioned, relatable coach to uh, players. He's basically their age almost, right? Charles Barkley said he's like the same age as them. I mean, and he's he, played, not wrong. he played against LeBron too. Yeah, again, he's a 2000s player, right? So I think, and, and you know, everyone always talks highly of him. So I think this is the best guy who could have gone for oh, the Also, job. like half the league, half the league's coaches are now black. Just pointing so, that out there. Yeah, random fact. Um, but yeah, I think that's the best guy you could have gone for the job. Now, again, will he, will the Lakers be better? I think they will be better. I don't know well, how good they're going to be. They need to get a new roster. That's yeah, exactly. One. That's, that's the biggest thing, right? Like they have three guys who just don't, well, one guy that just doesn't fit with the other two guys, basically. And you also have everyone else on one year deals. So exactly. you have to get a roster. But we'll see what happens with, uh, with Darwin Ham and the Lakers. But with that, that concludes this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely subscribe to the show on all the various platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and, of course, YouTube. So definitely subscribe so you don't miss a great episode from us. Uh, also, follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, and upletter and under podcast, facebook.com slash up and under podcast for all the latest updates whenever we post a new episode or a reaction news as they occur definitely check that out if you haven't done so also check out our website up and it's our central hub for the show it's a place where we write blog posts with every single episode so you don't have time to listen or watch the full episode you can read about it on our website every episode is you know is listed with the video the audio and the the written version so it's all in one source for you guys so definitely check that out if you haven't done so and yeah man like we mentioned we're here at the nba finals the season is Basically, almost at the end, we're going to be crowning a champion very soon. And again, more off-season content will be on the way. But with that, that concludes this week's episode. We'll see you guys all in the next one. Take it easy. Easy.